This episode is graciously funded by Renee Klein. What got me up in the morning wasn't to look a certain way or to hear from someone else or to have my flywheel headshot look good. Like none of that ever crossed my mind. It was more of just like, here's what I can do. Here's how it can make me feel. And like, this is so contagious and I'm so hooked on it. Like I was so hooked that I, I had no idea that like, it was like too much of a good thing. Six Feet Above was created when I started to share my journey of spending 16 years wishing I was six feet under to now living a life full and happy six feet above. The more I told my story, the more I realized that people were genuinely interested in my struggles and they didn't pass the judgment I was always fearful of. I discovered that people wanted and needed to talk about their stories and their struggles and they began to confide in me. I realized we all have a past with difficulties and we are probably going through some things right now at this very moment, but it's up to us to not let our past or current struggles define us. We have to take responsibility for our own lives, our own emotions and our own happiness because we can use that to create a life we love. The Six Feet Above podcast explores this process in each episode. It is a place to share people's stories of struggle and success, to find out what works for them in creating a life of happiness. Some weeks, it gets pretty dark as we discuss some very serious topics. Other weeks, it stays a little bit lighter. But each week, we discover real people with real emotions who have overcome their obstacles to live a life of joy and positivity. I hope you will join me on this journey. I'm Megan Armstrong. Welcome to the Six Feet Above podcast. This is Danae's story. All right. Well, today I'm sitting across from Danae Olberding and we go back. We were just talking about this um, about four years ago. And again, we met pretty much with most of my guests so far uh, through the fitness world. And I was working at Flywheel teaching and you were working the front desk. Yeah. Yeah. Started my my little dip into fitness. What were you Um, doing before that? um, So I work in like digital marketing. I have like a journalism background. Okay. So... I was trying to find what I loved and obviously I didn't love my full-time job at the time. So I like started to book in my days with other things that I thought maybe I would love. So that was like dipping into working a front desk at a fitness studio or like running with a run group or whatever it may be. So like my background's like digital marketing, social media influencer, all the above. Is that what you went to college for? Yeah. Well, I went to college for journalism, which is like almost non-existent now like what is so it's like digital marketing now so I really just evolved with the space um I found out that you know what I went to school for obviously needed to evolve by me doing things and getting out there and moving to Atlanta was one of them um jumping in that hole of not knowing anybody here so it was a hybrid of why I worked at like a front desk and I cleaned shoes but it was like more (laughs) so like hey these people seem like they have a high energy and vibe that I could like um and I just met people yeah. that are similar to yes. me, yeah. like you, yeah. <laughs> which is great. <laughs> you're originally from Kansas. Yeah, so grew up small town. Um, I always say the size of my town is the size of like Central Park in New York. So it's like yeah. 1,000 people, maybe 1,500 on a good day, jokingly. Um, so really small town. Uh, my parents 
lived there until I left um, and went to school, which going to school was like the big city. And then when I came Where'd to Atlanta, go? I went to Kansas, so okay. University of okay. Kansas, um, which was like two hours away from where I grew up. So it's a good distance. It was a great distance away, but then also enough to like run back, which I did all the time. Yeah. Um, so until I like dropped myself in Atlanta, drove my Jeep out here one summer for an internship, I was constantly from then on just like kind of trying to figure out what I would want to do. All I did know was that I wanted to like escape where I was and just put be put in a situation that I like was super unfamiliar with because everything was pretty cushioned growing up where I yeah. knew where I was going to be, yeah. what I was going to do. There's very like, I wouldn't say it was like strict, but it was just like, this is how things work. It's um, structured. You go from this completely. to this to this. Like that's, I'm from a small town completely. called Homer, New York. And people are like, yeah. where the hell is Homer, New York? I'm like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We, we, I, we've chatted about yeah. this before, like yeah, going yeah. back and whatnot. So, um, yeah, growing up there was, was great when I was there. Um, but I didn't realize how great it was to be in a space where you have a ton more opportunity and you're right. exposed to a lot more. So, um, growing up in Kansas was was fine, like I said there, but um, as I like continued to evolve and figure out what I like to do, I didn't know until I was like mid twenties, honestly, because it was very cookie cutter yeah. growing up. I just followed in siblings' footsteps and what everyone else was around me, which was clearly pretty limited, yeah. um, just based off of the resources that you I had. Two older older brothers. I have an older and a younger. Okay, so um, you're right in the middle. Yeah, they were both like rock star college athletes. Really? Um, like, yeah, they both went on like had full rides to play basketball in college. Um, and I can remember always passively chasing that, mm-hmm. but then had this like middle child like edge that was very different than both of them um so like would definitely look up to them but because I wasn't able to really like execute and become just like them I always just like took my route to like do something different yeah um and I probably was trying hard back in the day to do something different so driving to Atlanta was like an outrageous thought and like I remember I like found an internship. I found my roommate on Craigslist oh at the time. God. What? <laughs> no one would do that today. No, no. Um, and I like drove out here for a summer, had an internship. I was like, well, the worst that could happen is like it's a flop and I go back, which right. I had one more year of school. So it was a great summer. I met my now fiance that summer, but went back to Kansas, did like one more year of school and then got a full time job here in Atlanta. So like officially moved to Atlanta in 2011 and have called it home since just because like I can't stop finding things that I'm like interested in and love and people which is like always new and exciting to me which sounds crazy but I just have never been given all that opportunity in the last like 10 years of my life so that's why I'm here that's cool yeah it's 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 always interesting like how people ended up here. I mean, there really are not a lot of people that are born no. and raised here. And how, like, even my story, you know, I went from coast to coast to coast and ended up here. It's yeah. like, what actually brings you to a new city and and kind of, like, that's where you're supposed to be, yeah. you know, for that period of time or whatever. Yeah. Um. So tell me about um, growing up with your family, like, the, the yeah. dynamics and with your parents and with your, your siblings. Yeah. Um, I was just chatting before. I definitely grew up, and I love the saying, in, like, a very cushioned environment. Mm-hmm. But, like, until I was, like, 22, I felt like I was, like, in bubble wrap. Legit. So I would always, um, you know, we were, like, I said, like, leave it to beaver traditional 
and really? it was great. Like it, like I had nothing. Like I don't even know what it felt like to be ever like stressed or like sad or whatever. For the most part, on the surface, yeah. like I, um, my parents always wanted to make sure that we had the best basketball shoes and the outfit and the this and we're in a comfortable setting. And my mom was like our biggest cheerleader and that continuous feeling of like. Everything is great and everything right. is fine was really my entire childhood. Um, being the only girl and not like actually thriving like my brothers did in like a athletic right. setting um, was like, we always joke that it was like, you know, they're the trophy kids. Uh-huh. Like Colin and Trent are like just really, really great people. Like on the court and off the court. Yeah. And I was like fun and nice. <laughs> Oh, hey, Danae. <laughs> Which, honestly, that that's not so bad. It's but, not so bad. Um, like, deep down, you know, growing up, I was always kind of itching for, like, a passion that I, like, of my own. So you never played sports, really? I played, but, like, you know, I was, like, on the B team. Yeah. And then, like, I would, yeah. like, hang out on the bench. And I was, like, keep trying. Good job. Yeah. You're, like, the ultimate <laughs> yeah, cheerleader. I was. Totally. And I am still to this day for people. So, I mean, I found my zip by watching my brothers, like, thrive. Mm-hmm. Um, I obviously, I played sports. I participated because that's just what you do. Right. Um, but there, there weren't opportunities for people that didn't want to do the norm. You know, yeah. like, in bigger cities, you can, like, seek out other friend groups or other, like, sports or hobbies or passions. And, like, honestly, I use the word passion so much as an adult because, like, it didn't hit me until like 25 what it meant to be passionate about something. Um, But I I think my parents for, you know, putting, they gave us opportunities to play sports and give us opportunities for what they had and what was around us. But I had no idea what was around us was super limited. Like, and that worked for a lot of people, you know, and it worked for my brothers. And, um, but there was obviously me like itching for more. So they, um, they did they did everything they could and what was right so it sounds like it was pretty sheltered kind of yeah, like my my upbringing yeah. were they nervous about you moving to a big city like atlanta yeah it's interesting um I don't, I wouldn't say that on the surface they ever would say things were nervous or bad or they questioned, right? Mm-hmm. So it was always like, okay, well, um, we're going to figure this out. And, but I could hear a nervous tone yes. like with my mom yeah. and my dad. Um, so my mom actually helped me find my roommate on Craigslist. I think my mom always had this itch for more, too. Mm-hmm. She grew up, raised, married, did all the things still in the small town that I grew up in. So, yeah. like, um, I think a little bit of my zip for life comes from her, but I think she's kind of she's kept it like pretty contained, you know? So they were, um, I wouldn't say they were necessarily nervous. They didn't give off that. They, you know, they wanted to support something that they didn't even know anything about. So there wasn't a reason for them to be like against it. Um, plopping their 20 year old daughter in Atlanta and like (laughs) peacing out for three months. Like that's a little crazy. Um, but I think there was something about like, that one trait and one thing I had like personality and nice and being able to kind of fit in with wherever like I grew up in a rural community where I could get along with like the cowboys and the cheerleaders and that you know like and I wasn't any really of them you know so thinking about that perspective and translating it into Atlanta and where I was um I think probably out of the three of us they were probably like if she anything, Danae will figure this out and she will find some crazy thing that she'll love and whatever so um, the biggest thing still to this day is like being so far because right. like, you know, like a lot mm-hmm. of the people you grow up around or maybe where you grew up, like they stay and yeah. they're right there and they yeah. go and do that traditional way. But, um, from a young age, I was itching for more, yeah. obviously. So, um, 
10 well, years later, they're fine. <laughs> and it's like, I think for me, my parents told me once, you can always come back. Like nothing is permanent. Exactly. Um, I was born and raised and then I went to school half an hour away because I was still dating someone that yeah. was younger than me and was yeah. like, oh, this is going to work out. And, you know, it was like, I never had that itch really until after school. Like um, I graduated, got a job right away in advertising. And then I was like, I need to get out of here. I need to do something yeah. different. And it's terrifying because I, I remember my mom would always say, like, especially going to Syracuse University, which is a huge university. Right. You know, I was a big fish in a small pond, small pond in yeah. high school. And she's like, are you sure you don't want to go like a smaller, smaller. college? And I'm like, no, like I want to go to a yeah. big school. Like we were really good at basketball. Once upon a time, we were good at football. Like yeah. <laughs> I want to go here, you Sounds know? so similar. Yeah. And I didn't care. I didn't care if I was a big fish or yeah. whatever. I just wanted to do something different. But then it got to be like, I'm going to do something outside of this geographic region. Yeah. And that's when my heart was like, okay, let's go. Let's do something in yeah. a different city. And that's when I think my parents were like, oh, oh yeah. she's really going to do this. This yeah. is terrifying. But also, you know, they raised me right and they knew that I had a good head on my shoulders mm-hmm. and, and would handle it. But when I went from Boston to LA, um, you know, I wanted, I wanted to do the acting thing. I wanted to yeah. go follow my dreams. And they said to me, they were super supportive. Yeah. Obviously would always question me like, okay, what about this, this, and this, mm-hmm. make sure everything was set up to go. But they did say you can always come back. Yeah. And that was just so reassuring. Totally. Um, because nothing really is permanent. It's true. And if you're going to, like, go try something, like, do it in your 20s. Yeah, like, for sure. You know, or it's never too late, but, like, really do it in your 20s. Yeah. My parents, I think that was when I first, like, tested Atlanta out for that yeah. summer. That was the complete motto of the whole summer. Like, this is temporary. This right. is just, like, a longer vacation. Right. And the second thing, like, my parents would always say, like, you know you have a place to come, totally. like, home to, just like that. But then also, like, we'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. That was always a thing. We'll figure it out. And yep. I was, like, never knew what that meant because I don't think I ever really figured anything out on my own right. until my mid-20s, you know? Like, until I was, like, not with an arm's reach with them where we could figure yeah. it out. I was like, whoa. You know, like, situations here in Atlanta when you're completely, like, alone, you, like, soon gravitate to, like – the closest acquaintance right like nobody's like family just yet you know and like so the we'll figure it out thing and you can come back I mean that motto of like figuring stuff out is like pretty deep and I think it makes a lot of sense for like all situations really in my world so good and bad I think though if you trust that yeah I think so because when you say it it's like do you really know (laughs) what's up or what's going on or are we just saying that to make sure that like we keep our yeah, good old family, you know, vibe, yeah. you know? Yeah. I think it goes back to, like, that whole, like, picket fence thing. Like, right. it's okay. It's okay if it's not, right, like, perfect and it's not a picket fence. <laughs> I mean, we were just talking about that, like, I'm in my mid-late 30s and I'm, I'm yeah. trying to figure out yeah. the next steps. Like, you're always, you know, doing something different and moving forward in a different way than you were 10, 15 years ago. So, yeah. um, And that's unusual, actually, for my family yeah. because they have they operate – very much so, like, my dad's a banker, my mom's a teacher, mm-hmm. and bless them for staying a very, very clear path that's, like, very understandable of, like, this is what we do, and this is we retire, and we make sure we provide all this for our kids. Right. It was, like, all about that. Right. And I am 100% not in that path, and I'm, like, super selfish, and I'm glad I am. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you should be. I turned really, really selfish when I moved here, because what other choice do you have than to, like, invest in yourself? So right. I completely turned inward when all along I had just, like, this cushion of, like, 
family and parents right. and friends right. all the time. So it was like, it was good to like shake. So it must've been a couple of years into living in Atlanta when you got that itch to mm-hmm. do something different. So what kind of happened? What was going on in your life? Yeah. When you're like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to work front desk at Flywheel. Yeah. You right. know? Um, so obviously I was always kind of told that like, well, just get a job and like get started, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, okay. And it was like this motto of like, you don't have to love it. It was kind of like, well, this is part of it. Put your time in. And I hated that. Like, I was like, why put my time in? Like, right. why be like, like I, <laughs> I created this crazy monster in my head of like, you know, cubicle life and desk and office and all these things was just like not me. Right. right. And, um, I became very adamant about like who I was and what I like to do like super quick. And I think it was just because I built up for 22 years, like none of that, like no stance and like what I really liked. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was easy to just be happy with what everyone else was doing, you know? Right. So as soon as I came here and I was started working a few different jobs, I worked in the golf industry for a while and like traveled around, like that was my first job. Um, and then I worked in like a legit, like office like agency world um and I just realized like coming home from work or like after like nothing was like lighting me up and I like wasn't super fulfilled um so I actually I started I got two jobs which is just kind of crazy but I put my name in for um the Chicago Marathon in 2000 13 or 14. Uh-huh. Um, and it's a lottery. It's literally like you drop your name in. Maybe they'll draw your name out of the hat. Hopefully they don't if you're me because I'm like, I don't know, run a marathon. What is this? Um, but I'm like, sure, I'll put my name in. Like, whatever. Just like literally Googling and itching for like something else that maybe yeah. I'll like to do. I have no idea. Even though you weren't really running? I wasn't like... really running much. I did one half marathon through college, but I say they like barely kept the lights on for me because I was just like, this is a social event. I was in college. <laughs> my friends are doing it. Like, yeah. I don't. We, we just like hung out for 13 miles like let's put it that way like never did anything really official so put my name in for that and then I was like randomly enough I like got drawn which was like a shocker so like I did like a hybrid of things and I was like huh like I got this like really crazy itch for like well let me see like what I can do and like how to do this um so I did start running obviously so I got a job at like a running store okay and then to compliment like the fact that I was running I was like I should try like other workouts like Mm -hmm. I'm probably doing this wrong by just running so I remember like googling like different like like I think I just put like gyms in the lane right and like back in the day it wasn't like boutique fitness it was just like Flywheel was the only place. Yeah. Um, so I can remember like applying there and I, they're like, have you ever taken a class? And I was like, no, I don't. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get stuck in these shoes and this is going to be awful. Um, so anyways, on, at my interview, I like jumped in with the studio manager at the time I took a class and then I started working the front desk. Yeah. So that was like the start of me like doing a hybrid of Danae things. And I always use that. Like, I feel like I have started to become a hybrid. I used to say like hybrid athlete because I was like, Oh, I could run a marathon, but then I could also teach this and do this and train like this. And then I also started to become like hybrid in my career Mm -hmm. where it was like, I got this like crazy experience that just seemed like extra stuff. I was adding on working a front desk retail, um, shoe place. And then in the middle I had like the well, real it's supposed job. to be my career, the right. real thing, right? right? Like, so my real girl job or my big girl job is here in the middle, but like everything in the middle was never like it was Fulfilling. such a drag. Yeah. yeah, it made me so unhappy that like 
I would just like get really fired up for like 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. Mm. Like because 5 a.m. was like when I got to do Danae things yep. and I would like run or take flywheel class or do whatever. And then 5 p.m. I would either work at the running store or like work at the front desk. And like all the while I was like starting to feel like kind of normal because I was like meeting people that thought like who I was and I thought what they were was like cool. And I all through college never had like a chance to do like a fresh slate of like finding like minded people. You're just kind of like right. dropped into a pool of them that like you're supposed to all be like and you all look and act the same. Yeah. Even in a big college, probably like Syracuse. Mm-hmm. So when I started to get around people that and boutique fitness was just becoming a yeah. thing. So I rode that thing out like so much you know I loved it like I was like this is the craziest weirdest thing that I'm like loving you know um and I just became really like hooked on that concept of like fulfilling your day whoa like maybe a little too much um and doing (laughs) it with a lot of moving parts you know um and I mean it was it was just really like contagious like energy that I was like finding myself so but I was just like at the time I go like quotes but like I was just like a front desk girl and I was just like working retail like putting socks on people for running shoes so at what point did you decide um fitness is for me I'm gonna go full-time yeah because our paths crossed shortly after another studio yeah 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 so um really I think I became a really like intense introverted like runner Uh um that nobody will ever understand how insanely intense it was and that was when I realized that like I wanted like this is my passion I don't have to put my time in in this corporate thing Mm -hmm. I see that this industry is growing all over and then others also started to see just like through me being in the community and whatnot that I was like wow you're like really into this you know and at that time there were boutique studios opening up kind of everywhere yeah. and they were just seeking that next person for that. Little did I know that there was going to be so many fitness industry yeah. or fitness studios there, but they were really just like seeking those kinds of people. Yeah. Um, and I guess I was one of them, which I didn't actually know because I still spent most of my time like running really early alone. Um, I only took classes at Flywheel like after my shift and I was still kind of by myself you know like I knew like maybe one or two people so it wasn't really like a flashy like oh my gosh like known in the industry this was like my thing where people you know I wasn't an instructor anything like that so um I just really grabbed onto the whole like you know this is this is what I love I should be doing something I love every day Mm -hmm. like and I like I was saying earlier became really like selfish and intense about it you know um, so taking some of my skills from like my profession or my career real job. Um, and I like had the opportunity to definitely in a few years, like hop around on at different studios, yeah. which I don't regret. It's, I always say like, it's, it was a very funny few years, but like managing or fitness professional, right. then evolving into instructing, mm-hmm. um, was great because you there's no other way to like learn and live something than doing that. Yeah. So, um, and that's like where like we reconnected again, you know, because it's just Atlanta yeah. market is. Um, but the community, I think, you know, 
slowly became smaller. Right. And like, that was like the best thing that happened to me, you know, was like the exposure that I got in those quick few years um, of like jumping around and kind of, I guess, taking it to the next level of like what I went to do. So I like quit my full-time job, um, my real job. And I just like started like managing. And then Mm -hmm. I moved from like managing studio very short time to like teaching full-time, which was like the most recent thing before I like moved back into my profession now. So um, yeah, it was, uh, it was kind of wild, but I'm glad I did it. So we'll talk about the past probably two years, yeah. um, where you're hundred percent fitness and you are running how many miles a day mm. at your max? Um, so I did my first marathon right in Chicago in 13 and then. So you did get the Chicago one. I did. You were I got in. in. Yeah, okay. I was drawn. So then that's like when I just took off, like literally took off what Uh, was it about running that i you know i don't know because i I had a friend in college that ran um but i never joined her yeah (laughs) ever um i did i was really really like insecure in college that i wouldn't even go to the rec i would go my parents like bought me a membership at this like old like ymca type place like Uh way away from campus and i would like run on a treadmill by myself just because i like wanted to start like controlling something of my own Mm. um and I think that word controlling and like explains really well like how I became what I am so quickly Mm too so like it kind of started in college um but like I said I I would run in college but I would run on a treadmill where no one knew I was there I was like really insecure and I didn't want to go outside like I didn't want to run on campus because I didn't want to be seen and I Running that half marathon was, like, the scariest thing of my life. But, like I said, we were, like, walk running it in college. Were you insecure about, like, your body yeah. or just about, like, your the way you ran? I think it was, yeah. Like I think Phoebe I was, from like, Friends? Yeah. <laughs> right. My form is so ridiculous. Um, yeah, I think just as a girl in general, you're always insecure. Yeah. And, yeah, that was, like... That was a big thing, like, growing up, you know? But, like I said, my mom was always would always make it better by, like allowing me to go somewhere else to run I never really faced it you know Mm. like I never really faced like how insecure I was about like image and like physical activity and like any of that because I just you know I constantly covered it and we band-aided it all my life were you heavier growing up like I was were you really yeah no one has any idea I I had no idea yeah and I I was um people will be like oh it wasn't that bad (laughs) like but like yeah it was and it was so rare because I was like equally like, there's three of us in our childhood, you know, like, my brothers and I, and, like, those guys are such studs, yeah. you know? Like, it didn't really make sense. Like, we literally all sit at the same table, serve the same things with the same amount of activity. I was just, like, a girl that was, like, blessed with whatever, you know? <laughs> like, cursed with whatever. I was like, cool, thanks. Um, so, it was, like, a constant insecurity thing. And so, in college, you know, I don't, like, the word confidence, like, never crossed my mind, like, ever, right? And I never, so I think when I left Kansas and I moved here, like, I had a fresh slate. Like, mm-hmm. I literally, like, shake the Etch-a-Sketch, be good, you know, like, create your own, like, little method and drawing. And so I, you know, I running seemed like the easiest thing. Like, I didn't really have to join a gym or do right. anything. So, right. Um, and why not like invest in like something like this? So that's where like the crazy Chicago thing came after, um, with like really no education or knowledge on like why or how to run. (laughs) Um, and then it was like, oh, well I have no one around but myself. Like I would look around and it wasn't like I needed like an accountability person. It also wasn't like 
I really wanted an accountability person because I was so nervous to like go running with people. Uh-huh. I didn't want to like bring them down. So I wouldn't join run clubs. I wouldn't talk to anyone. I just would like go really early and be like, okay, I'm going to run down Roswell Road and back. Okay, now I'm going to go a little farther and back. And I just like kept trying it and all like, I didn't really tell anyone. Like it was very strange. Like my parents didn't really know yeah. because I think they probably would like... I think they would question, you know, like, oh, well, why? Or, like, who's with you? Or, right. you know, and I just right. was like, I want to do it on my own. You don't like, want to I, answer to anyone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I also wanted for once to, like, be my own cheerleader. Yeah. Because all the while, bless my mom's soul, I'm like, you know, you've always been telling me I'm fine. But, like, I think there's a little bit more that I don't feel fine about. Yeah. So, I, yeah, it was, it was the first time that I was like, I can take control of something. Right. And I... The only one that you have to respond to is yourself. And, like, honestly, running is a really selfish hobby. Um, not just running, but, like, marathoning. Yeah. Like, all right, see, in four hours, I have to go train for 26 miles. So um, I I started training for that, and I did my first, like, the first marathon, and I was, like, super hooked. Like, I was hooked on the fact that, like, I, as a solo, like, individual or athlete or whatever, was able to do this. I started to, like change the way that I looked and Your body. Yeah. yeah. And like, that was actually like very secondary. Like I, the only reason I know I started changes like now, cause like yeah. in the moment I had no idea that I started to change or that I was looking that much different. Um, I was like, so honed in, honed in on this like high that I would get from running. Like mm-hmm. I became so hooked. Um, so I wanted to figure out like, how can I maintain this? Like, how can I continue doing this? Cause it's the first time in my life that I feel like I good. I feel really good confident. and I'm so proud and I'm yeah. so confident yeah. and like I'm outside on Roswell Road and on Peachtree <laughs> running like what you know I'm like so that that was like a big milestone yeah. you know um so to answer your question like how often were you doing this like I pretty much started just running I'm like okay to become a runner you just run well that's completely wrong so that's when I started to dip into like other methods of training and okay. that's when I got immersed in the community um because I started trying the flywheels I started trying like you know, I joined LA Fitness and I would do that a few days a week. And then I found out about like the blast of the world. Right. And so those all kind of started over the last like two and a half, three years. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was just like basically went from one marathon to like 13 in like a four and a half, five year span. Um, so it was like running and doing like any sort of like movement and sweat was like brushing my teeth. Right. And it was like. I was so hooked that it was like that pride factor that really determined my happiness every day. Um, like it was, I was so addicted to it because I was like, I've never felt this good in my life. Like I've never felt so happy because of just something I'm doing. Like I wasn't dependent on my mom telling me or my girlfriends giving me affirmation. Like I really wasn't letting anybody tell me anything, which I thought was really powerful. Mm -hmm. And it is like, I learned that it is really powerful. Like you don't need affirmation from what everyone's saying on Instagram or the community or your mom even, or your like fiance, like nobody could tell me anything that would make me feel like I looked good or cool or that what I was doing was awesome. But like, that was what was so powerful over the last few years because I learned how to like just lean in so deep, you know, become so introverted that like what got me up in the morning wasn't to look a certain way or to hear from someone else or to, have my flywheel headshot look good. Like right. none of that ever crossed my mind. It was more of just like, here's what I can do. Here's how it can make me feel. Yeah. And like, this is so contagious and I'm so hooked on it. Like I was so hooked that I, I had no idea that like 
it was like too much of a good thing. So eventually completely. your yeah. healthy addiction becomes very unhealthy. Yeah, totally. And you know, it's a process. It didn't happen overnight. No. It was probably within three years. Three probably. years. Three or four. Um, so last year, and I didn't know this until you reached out to me recently. Yeah. Um, again, you have no idea what's going on so with somebody <laughs> behind closed doors. And, yeah. you know, showing people compassion is something that I've been working on because you just never know what's going on or really? what has gone on with someone. Yeah. So when we sat down, I was very... <laughs> Um, surprised yeah. to hear that you've really been struggling probably the last 18 months, yeah. year and a half. And you got to a point where this, this healthy addiction of running and physical activity became very unhealthy. Yeah. Um, so dive into that. It's okay. It's good. It's all good. It's okay. Yeah. Listen, you heard my story, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And this is, it's the only way to heal and move forward. Yeah is by talking about it. Yeah. And the reason that you're on this is because your story and you sharing how something that's supposed to be healthy is very unhealthy or can be, will help someone else, yeah. will help a lot of other people. And it's okay. Yeah. You know, we always like, we're expected though, we got it figured out yeah. or we can always move home or we can always yeah. do this. It's like, you don't have to be perfect. Like yeah. no one is perfect. Yeah. It's funny because I always say, like, give yourself a chance to, like, actually feel, like, cry or be upset and yeah. mad. Like, sometimes I'll, like, go in these spurts where I'm like, oh, like, I'm going to give myself 20 minutes to ugly cry <laughs> and be really irrational and nobody's going to know we're here. And if they do, like, know that it, like, it, it actually, like, serves a really good purpose. So here we are. Um, well, and it's, you know, the fact that it's emotional. And yeah. I, there are times when I still get emotional about some of the stuff that I've gone through because I'm going through some things right now yeah. and it brings up the yeah. past. Totally. But it also makes me really excited because I know how to deal with it now. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you know, you're not pushing it down. Like those yeah. emotions are very much surface level. Yeah. That's a good thing. Like yeah. that's a really good thing yeah. because it means that you're actually handling it and dealing with it versus like, you know, kind of what your mom did. We're totally. like, oh, it's it's fine. It's fine. It's yeah. fine. It's like, no, you're, you're not fine. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. I think... I mean, so yeah, to that point, I think, you know, at the beginning of this year, uh, a little bit further back, you know, like 12 months, 16 months ago, I was, I finally just like hit a wall. Um, physically. Yeah, physically. And weirdly enough, I don't think I had a good pulse on like my internal like m self that well. You know, I, I couldn't say that I was like, oh, I'm emotionally such a mess or, oh, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with something in my head. It was unfortunately like the physical change that was like that hit me hard I was like something's not right so tell so, so let's dive into that yeah. what physically happened yeah so I I mean my body just started to change really fast um pretty much rejecting everything I did like just gaining weight and becoming very fatigued with like what I was thinking like not doing much which still at the time was a lot right. I, like my routine now that I look at it, talking about like looking now, like mm -hmm. I, now that I look at it, it, that is crazy and so unhealthy. Like I was the most healthy, like the unhealthy, healthy person that you knew. Right. Like you said, like the surface yeah. and oh my God, Danae, you're so inspiring. Look at all those miles. You're running around the marathon. But like actually, like 
that was doing so much internal damage to me. Yeah. Um, and to be totally honest, I, I didn't know that it was. Like, obviously, if I knew that I was hurting myself that bad by running 13 marathons, I mean, obviously, that's a little intense. But, like, if I would have known that, like, how much internal damage it was actually doing to me, um, I could have stopped sooner, you right. know? Would right. I have listened? Probably not, because I was so stubborn and so stuck into well, and you it. you felt good. I felt good. Yeah. I felt so alive. Um, it was... I was such a machine, too. Yeah. Like, I... Um, like, I could run my marathon, and I think I was telling you this, like, I would finish it, and then, like, after it, I would be, like, go out, have a coffee with my fiancé, we'd walk the dog, and, like, go on my day. Like, I never, that was where, like, that's a common day for me, mm-hmm. and the mistake happened was, like, hey, when you do something like this, you have got to fuel, you have yeah. got to recover, you've got, and I didn't do any of that so right. So you weren't eating enough. No, yeah. completely not. I, you know, and I still, like, unfortunately, I'm not, like, I'm not a foodie, yeah. um, so I really did it just to, like, fuel and do what I needed to do, but I should have placed more emphasis on it. Most people have the opposite problem, right? right? right. Like, oh, I just can't stop. Oh, my gosh, I love this. Like, let's celebrate and indulge. Like, I should have been celebrating and indulging after a marathon, like, because your body needs that. Sure, sure. Like, you should be recovering and figuring out what, like, your body needs to adapt to, like, its training regime. But, like, I, I just was, like, so, like, okay move on like I never put a ton of emphasis on food yeah um when if you're an endurance athlete like you should be like but it was all about I should have found balance with Mm -hmm. the two like I didn't need to like stop everything I was doing and like start going crazy about food I just needed to find balance of like this is what you're doing to your body this is how much damage and stress it's doing to yourself like you have to recover so I I just became in this like groove you know I would like run I would teach I would kind of eat <laughs> yeah maybe you would I mean, eat enough not to pass out completely, basically like completely probably when we talked about this before so i feel okay saying it but yeah, borderline it. anorexic oh for sure like i um, mean it was like scary yeah skinny and but then your body starts to hold on, on to, to stuff that. yeah and then you start to actually gain weight, which is bizarre. bizarre. Um, and I feel like, feels like so many control. women are going to relate yes. to this because I, I, I was anorexic when I was a teenager and then I was bulimic in my 20s yeah. and early 30s. And like, your bo- it takes so long for your body to get over that. Yeah. Um, so you're, we talked about it. Like yeah. this year, you're still struggling for with... Sure balancing the hormones yeah. and, and everything that goes on with that, especially as you hit your late twenties, early thirties. Yeah. So you start to actually gain weight. Your body's not responding to running anymore. What else is happening physically and or mentally, emotionally? Yeah. So, um, I mean, for the four years, I just was like stressing and not recovering. Right. So it's like building, I just kept building, building, building stress on top of stress, never recovering, never replenishing. And then just like hit this wall. Right. And, I I know for a fact it will take a really I'm like a year in and it feels like I've been going through this for yeah. 10 yeah. which I know we all feel that we have stuff like that um so just like my energy levels um and my zip for life because basically blood work doctors everyone that loves me is like you've got to stop mm-hmm. and stop means like taking away what I love right stop means taking away like my passion like right. stop means like taking away my identity and like that was that was who you were completely like we knew Danae yeah. as she was yeah. just a, an ultimate ultimate marathon runner yeah. um and you said it was your fiance that really kind of yeah. hit the nail on the head he yeah. was like listen we got to do something right which 
means that he cares, yeah. right? Yeah, he's a trooper. I mean, and to your point, like nobody knew right. because I never let anybody know. You right. know, people it's would come to me. Yeah, Shameful. it's embarrassing. And then I also, like I was telling you before, people would come to me and they'd be like, "Hey, Danae, I need your help. Hey, Danae, can you help me do this five k? Or can you help me learn this skill?" And there's just like my jam is like pulling people out and lifting them up. And I think internally it's because I like kind of knew like that, like I, but nobody ever was really like, how are you? Right. And for the first six months of this year, if you would have asked me that I could have never answered. Yeah. like my boss, like at my current job, like bless her soul knew me in two months. And our first one-on-one was like, how are you? And it was simply like, how's your performance at work? Right. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I lost it. And so that was pretty much like what the first six months of this year was like, um, like <laughs> the simplest, like emotional trigger, but like, you have to think like internally, everything is so whack. Like right. all of my stuff like stopped working and that sounds dramatic and that sounds scary, but like my body like stopped responding and it was like, Hey, you have to stop what you're doing at this intensity because this is stressful to your body and your mind and everything. Yeah. And you have to stop. And not only was like, doctor stuff saying Mm -hmm. that um like the person that loves me and saw me the most was saying that Mm -hmm. and weirdly enough it took me a while for that even to be enough because once again like how could you like how could you take away and it was like almost like I was just mad like I had no idea like I was genuinely and the crazy thing about this industry is a lot of people do it for a lot of like image driven results and until I'm like 40 pounds on the other end I didn't realize I even had an image right like I'm like oh that's funny you know until I was like actually facing the reality this year and I never I was still insecure when I was anorexic I was still when I was running Boston and flexing at the finish like what like I I was still super insecure because I didn't have a good pulse on what was all going on until it was like all gone yeah Um, but I think that's huge because I think we cover up these insecurities and I see it all the time it's like oh they're cocky I'm like no they're just insecure they're just insecure that's how we cover it up 100% and until you're like ready to it's hard because it's like admitting that you're an alcoholic or admitting that you're this or that like my story it wasn't until I admitted admitted that I was messed up like I am so screwed up in the head that I could actually like gain control of it so It's interesting. We talked about this as well as like you found running as something that you could control, something mm-hmm. that you were good at. And over the course of those two, three, four years, it took control over you. Yeah. And now it's like, okay, Danae, now we got to get the control mm-hmm. back. So you're in this like cyclical thing yeah. where instead of, you know, taking control in another type of setting and fitness, you're actually taking control over you and your emotions and how much energy you're putting into physical movement. Mm. Um, So your fiance basically is like, okay, we need to do something. You go see all these doctors. You're, I'm assuming like cortisone levels, all of your levels are just out of whack. Um, Probably not getting your period. Nope. Okay. So all of that's normal for marathon runners. So I was like, oh, let me play this cool. I don't get my period card (laughs) or I like, don't like my nails don't grow or, you know, there's so many just like women signals. What else happens? I'm actually just really curious. There's like, there's a lot of like, obviously like your cycle is completely non-existent. Uh Um, 
it's kind of like it's kind of an outer body thing honestly now that i know i'm I'm much normal now just because things are like regulating but there there are a lot of moments like this casey will laugh really hard but like this is like super personal but there were a lot of moments that i like did not have control over like how i was acting so like Mm. think about like your moodiness when you're on your cycle which i don't even know what that's like still but like think about that on another level so like (laughs) i remember the night before the boston marathon i like was crazy crazy and casey's like bless his heart he was like oh darla's coming back out like i had an alter ego (laughs) because we had to know that this wasn't danae and if that was danae then there was like no way that he could probably hang you know Mm. like there were so many moments like that that my family and my closest ones like casey were like this is you're you're being so crazy like you just want control over this and you're freaking out about this and it's like you don't want to eat and you don't like i was just so obsessive with things that i mainly probably why we haven't been talking tons in the last four years because i was so in I just like blocked everyone out, yeah. you know, and I was so controlling and selfish and I didn't want to socialize um, because I was like in an awful headspace. Yeah. I was so over the top and controlled. So, yeah. I mean, all of this, like the normal things, like your skin, like basically if you have like a breakout, like your skin doesn't know how to heal because okay. your immune system. So like things would hang around forever. Um, I like just ran a half marathon this weekend. It was probably too much because my skin's reacting. Really? Crazy. What, but like all these signs are like things that like it, your body's going to like respond and tell you things you have to listen, mm. you know? And for so long, I didn't know how to listen, yeah. um, or didn't want to. Yeah. So like, just like normal things like nails, cycle, your skin. Um, like if I would bruise, like I remember I would go to like a chirotherapy or like a Norma tech boots and I would like bruise because really? I was so malnourished. And like, so there's just a lot of, I was just overtrained, under eating and completely like deprived of like my nutrients that like, what happened to my system really was like all of this stress just kept depleting and depleting and I basically was running on empty for so long that I finally hit the wall that like I broke down and just like adverse reactions all started happening so anything that I was doing my body was taking it as stress like going on a walk or like raising your voice a little bit like my body was just on this like fight mode Mm -hmm. that it was like storing everything I was doing because it didn't into fat right it didn't trust me right like I don't blame it. <laughs> right. I wouldn't trust me either. Like homegirl goes and runs 26 miles and then has like a coffee and like, that's it. Like it just, it wasn't trusting me with every understanding. I understand why. So it just started to hold on to everything. So, so, you're, so you're getting really angry and obviously, you know, the person that you love the most in the world is, mm-hmm. is he has to point it out yeah. and that sucks. Like yeah. that creates a big, um, it was tearing us apart though you it's know? also a great test yeah you know holy shit yeah. <laughs> Excuse my language, but damn that's impressive that he hung out with darla for so many darla, years I love. <laughs> next time i see you if, you, if you're it's ever like, rude which you would never yeah, be rude to me in no. your life but i'm like excuse me darla that's a problem. Um, but at some point you have to look in the mirror and say okay danae like yeah. it's on you so yeah. do you remember like was there a day like yeah that, that happened or was it just um, kind of gradual to this day it's still happening if yeah. that makes sense um like you know i that i mean it was like a year ago that casey sat me down and the guy has cried maybe like five times in our 10 years together yeah. so like to see that um that shook me up more than seeing like my body go away you know which was i knew i needed to get to a point where like i had to do it more for myself right um Right. But no one could have told me differently over the last four years. So he knew it needed to take time for me to like go to a point where 
you know, it hit me and it really hit me in the right places. Right. So, um, not only was I like changing by like my look, but, um, like my zip for life, my happiness was like plummeting, you know? And Um, were you aware of that? Yeah, you were. Yeah. But you know, and it was a combo between like, do I go down this route of like covering up and just like make it fine, keep going with life? Or should I like go into this like dark space and, every day I did both Mm. like every day and it was so exhausting like crying is exhausting Mm -hmm. like I always said I was like I feel so hungover all the time and I probably haven't drank in like nine years like I just don't drink because I was so obsessed with marathoning right so like I literally would say it almost felt like you're hungover every day because I would wake up and I would like face like trying to like put myself into like double zeros right gross but like the reality of it um I was going back to a job where I was like stuck you know and I had to do something that was taking away my passion I was told not to run and I was told to like eat more and for some people they were like life must be rough you know you have right. to stop running and you have to eat right. more like right. that sounds like the easiest thing and to and when you say it it is like why can't you just do this today and so for six months I fought it so much mm-hmm. like Instead of running 22 miles on Saturday, I ran 20. Look at me cutting back. Instead of on Wednesdays of running 18, I ran 15. Mm-hmm. That was like making me crazy. I was like, how could I don't feel fulfilled? I kept telling myself that because like, like I said, for four years, like I finally found something that gave me some zip and fulfillment. And I was like on drugs after I finished. I was right. like, you could not stop me. Um, so for the first six months of this year, you know, I claimed that I was like changing, you know, I was, I was doing all this stuff. Why isn't it working? Like, why am I not losing weight? And it was just like a very, like, I should do this. This should happen, but that's not how it is. Like let the time go. And people are like, give it time. Well, you walked away from the fitness fitness industry full time, right? Yeah. About a year ago, year and a half ago, about a year and a half ago. Um, so you just knew that you had to be away from it or what? I think I need, I knew that I needed to slow it down. I knew I was never going to slow down my own hobbies. Um, I knew that I wouldn't want to stop completely what I was doing. And if you look at our days, like, you know, Mm -hmm. um, teaching or our weeks, maybe teaching X amount of classes, um, putting in time, like for your own, your own workouts or your own, whatever, your own mental, physical, whatever well-being that takes time. And then if you want any other room for like your dogs or your family, like you have like a sliver left. So like talk about being in a selfish hobby, but then also selfish profession. Like when it, when like I hit that wall at the beginning of the year, I was like, the smartest thing for me to do is to find something else that stimulates me. That's not hurting me. Um, and not to be shallow about the industry at all, but I like needed to use my brain because I didn't even know how much I like wasn't fulfilling myself in my career and using my brain outside of like the fact that I could run and teach and inspire. Um, That was, I was given an opportunity to like step into a job a year ago, a job job again. um, And it's like the best thing that happened to me because it stimulates the heck out of me in a mental way Mm -hmm. that if I miss my workout, I'm like so in love with what I'm doing and like, thriving in my profession and career and the only way that I'm like actually though like really good at like this job job is because I have the craziest willpower and I'm this most stubborn determined person that I learned through marathoning through right. the years that like it doesn't bother me to like put in too much hours or to do this or to overdo things in something that's actually good for me yeah. you know yeah um but people overdo things in so many different buckets of their life and they they don't know how damaging it is. But I think that's important too, because even now to be aware of that, yeah. that 
you're finding this new love in, in a real work environment mm-hmm. again, but like you could very much overdo that too. Completely. So yeah. finding the balance, balance between, you know, you working out for yourself yeah. on your own time when you have time yeah. and taking a day off when you need to. And yeah. also like not overdoing it at work. Like, yeah. I think, I mean, I, um, I think after the first of this year, I, every day I still am like seeking like what balance looks like. Right. Um, and the hardest year of my life running career world over the last 10 years, um, has been like the best year for me. So this year, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, like I said, crying is exhausting and, um, but doing all that I have done and like letting my guard down and like feeling and being like genuine and actually saying what's going on and accepting that, has been the best thing for me. Isn't it so freeing? Oh, oh my gosh. Because you're like, I don't care anymore. Like, I, yeah. I don't care who judges me. I don't yeah. care what you have to say about me. You get to a point in life when you're like, if that bothers you or what I went through is triggering for you, mm-hmm. which, you know, I hope I can help you one day. But like, right. if you're going to judge me for it, like, I don't need you in my life no. anyways. Like, no, bye. because you really realize, like, as cliche as it sounds, like you find, like, through the last few years, I've had so many acquaintances. Right. But do I have, like, a really good girlfriend? Mm-hmm. No. Do mm-hmm. I have like a really massive group, like a family? Not really here. Mm-hmm. Like I have found acquaintances because I've always just been Danae who is like, wow, that's great. She has this and she spit and she can run. How is that? When's your next race? And that was it. It's just and more surface level. It's just more it's surface substance. level. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so I'm so grateful for this year to just like be more, yeah. you know, the like, the best running year of my life is this year and I have hardly run compared to the last, you know, because I have opened up to be so much more to myself, which is then opened up to welcome so many more people into my world that like should actually be here. So I want to talk about the run club because when we when we originally spoke about everything that that happened you said you know a marathon runner's life is very selfish like you spend hours out there on the road with just you yeah and you know you didn't want a partner you didn't want a running buddy probably because you were like well what if I can't keep up with them and then I just want to be on my own and control what I can't control so you found a new love and um running with other people yeah um this year or I guess like a year and a half ago we started or I started um like one of my dreams was to create a run club that was welcoming for everyone Mm -hmm. and I don't everyone says that you're like oh all the paces are welcome we don't go that fast but like really like welcoming to the point that like you don't even have to run (laughs) like that is how much of a good I can come yeah hey what are you guys doing (laughs) Tuesdays at 6 6 30 um so it like it started um, at the beginning. Actually, it was kind of hard for me to like get super excited about going. Yeah, why did you start it? Um, I mean, I, I really, I spent the first few years as an ambassador with Lululemon, um, kind of solo. Yeah. Um, I like running wasn't a community thing according to like the space because everyone else that was an ambassador was an instructor at flywheel or so they all had a title that was like their community and they could do things with it so running had never been that um until i had an opportunity to go to vancouver 
I'm like pace a race there and I met hundreds of runners that were like me and they all had their own run club and they did the race together and I was like oh that's interesting like I love that so I was always open and I was always a yes girl to like doing things with the community but I it always felt a little half-baked because nobody else was really that into running you know right um the cool thing was to go to a studio where they have like essential oil towels afterwards like why the heck would you run Piedmont Park yeah so I I really, um, I honestly just wanted, I remembered myself feeling like I was so introverted and it would be a good thing for me to, you know, open up a space where maybe other people that feel self-conscious or introverted in the boutique fitness space could go and not feel that way. Um, in most run communities in Atlanta are pretty intense. Like they've all, they all qualify for Boston and they do this and this is their pace and they are only runners and Mm -hmm. bless their souls. But like, I didn't want it to just be that. Mm -hmm. So I started it really, um, as like an outlet for people that probably felt like I felt back in the day where they're intimidated to go to a flashy boutique fitness place or a flashy run club. There's not a lot of run clubs, um, that I felt even confident to go, you know, when I should have had all the confidence in the world to be right up there with them. And they probably could have made me a better person. And maybe I would have talked to them about all the things I was feeling, but I didn't. But in hindsight, but in hindsight, (laughs) here we are. So give a space for someone that maybe feels that way about all the things going on in their world. So, um, I say this to them all the time that like the like lowest mileage year of my life has been the best because of them. Um, I had the space soon really quickly became such a hodgepodge of people Mm -hmm. and they are so, so loyal and genuine and they are so different than me, but that has like the, been the best thing for me. So we started a year and a half ago, um, and honestly, the first few months, it was me and, like, the store manager. Mm. And I was like, here's Run Club, but I was so persistent, like, anything else. that yeah. I was like, Tuesday night, I will be there. And um, we, you know, slowly, when people came, I was just so hyper (laughs) that was so crazy like when I would see someone come that like my nature and this must be like the midwestern person in me but like like just like hugging and then it became like birthdays and then gifts and like so so much more beyond it so slowly I started calling it like a social outing with a side of running sure um but I had no idea you know some days I would really struggle for the energy to want to go at six o'clock um I was fighting like a lot of emotional physical stress and hate Mm -hmm. like a lot of it. Um, I can remember a lot of times my drive there was just like a sob scream fest to myself because this isn't what running was. I can't believe this is all, you know, I'm going to go here and then they're all so happy. Right. And two and a half, three miles was like, we just like crushed the like Olympic trials to them, you know? So perspective was everything. Mm -hmm. Um, and they didn't know that anything was going on. Right. They didn't know that when I wore that Boston Marathon jacket, it was way too tight because I'm like 40 pounds heavier. <laughs> I'm like, hey, guys, this is really cool to wear this, but like right. I'm ripping out of it. But you guys are thinking I'm so great and cool. Right. And it wasn't about being great and cool. It was more about like just the excitement that they had to come together and do something that they never had before or they never thought they could do right. in a space that was like super welcoming. Um, 
So honestly, like we, we go out for like three miles, like every Tuesday. And my best bud is like a 70 year old man who just ran his first marathon because he was inspired. And I'm like, man, in my head, I'm like, how could you be inspired by me? I'm not doing anything this year. You know, I'm taking a year off from running. Yeah. Um, you know, but he just kind of would hear about things that I have done or how I, you know, kind of just my perspective and mindset of like why I would run, I think was, is, will always be interesting and I'll never regret. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and the run club people know that very clearly yeah. that this run club is a space for everyone to come to feel welcome. And my thing, and this was my motto when I started running is like, you can start. And if you want to stop and turn around, turn around. Right. If you want to stop and sit down, great. Just as long as you high five other people as they run by, that is my spiel every Tuesday. I was like, we run, skip, walk, jog, whatever you want. We go three miles. It's a down and back. Mm-hmm. If you want to turn around before the actual like place, do it. And if you want to like stop, you stop. Yeah. And that's exactly what my mindset was when I started running. I was like, okay, I see there's a Starbucks down there. I think I can make it. If right. I can't, stop. Like running is like the most simple thing in the world. And I think that's what's so great as like my world got really complex in the fitness yeah. industry that that was like really easy easy it was yeah re- it, it came too easy <laughs> it was too easy and then too hard at the too same hard. time yeah yeah and so we're we're here now and so you go every tuesday night you meet at lulu every tuesday at lulu um they we have shirts now they all run around the world but honestly they are all thriving like i just placed in my 5k i'm doing none of them had even done a race really before this club so um I mean, it's a space for them to, like, obviously run and kind of put themselves in that moment where they're, like, feeling alive, which Mm -hmm. I remember that. Like, it's kind of like, I feel like the old wise one now. It's like, well, when I was a runner back in the day, like, this is how I felt and this is where I stopped and this is what I recommend. And they're always wanting to advice and seeking it. And for the first time in my life, I feel genuine about giving them advice. Someone would ask me a few years ago, I'd be like, well, you should run 26 miles on this day. And I'm like, that's the worst advice in the world. Literally. And I would always say, I'm doing it all wrong, but this is what I do. Right. So now I actually feel genuine about like life and like running advice. And I've never been both. I've never been a healthy both, you know? Yeah. I've always felt like I was a really great runner but I was kind of not as good of a person or people perceive me as like, she's so nice. And I think she runs, but I never felt like I was like, had both of them at the top of the key. And I think it's important for, you know, as you enter back into the fitness world, because you're going back in part-time, just a couple of classes a week. um, I think we get as fitness instructors, uh, at least myself, um, because I've been doing this for almost 12 years. um, We put so much pressure on ourselves mm-hmm. to have it all together mm-hmm. to walk in that room and give them the best hour to give them a show to play the best music to do mm-hmm. all this stuff and at some point we also need to expect that from other people yes. so you having this run club it's mm-hmm. like yeah you first started it for this reason mm-hmm. and those people are looking to you but I think if you you're starting to kind of look at it as like they're helping me yeah yeah um and that's what yeah. I feel like we need to start doing as fitness mm-hmm. instructors. 100%. Like I'm not just there for, you know, 20, 30 people in this room, but those people are there for me. Yeah. And that's what I found when I started sharing my, my personal yeah. story that people connected with yeah. on a different level. Yeah. So I think by you sharing this story and the 
stuff that you've gone through and are still very much yeah. going through, yeah. you are going to be able to lean on those people yeah. now because they know the truth. Whereas before you were dreading just showing up because no one knew it was happening. Yeah. So it's like we hide all this stuff and we closet it because we're so ashamed because we need to have it all together as these fitness yeah. instructors walking in this room and these people are paying a lot of money to be here. Right. And it's not the case. We need to say these people are human beings too. And mm-hmm. if they only knew what I was going through, they could help me get through my day. Yeah. I think we put so much like pride and identity into that, like this like goldy, like flashy bucket. Yeah. Um, and I remember at the end of teaching before I started back up, some of like my good liners were like, I mean, a lot of people are always like, you do you. But like genuinely, like I wish more people would have told me back in the day to be like, if you're not feeling it, don't. Yeah. Or if you're feeling something, feel it. Right. Like let it, right. like let your guard down. Um, you know, it's not, it's not real life to always be great. Right. <laughs> it's not real life to say it's fine all the time. Or always be on. on. Like I felt yeah. like I had to always be on yeah. and I always had to be like, happy and perfect so yeah. I was like doing the exact yeah. opposite but hiding it all I'm yeah. like geez I should have won a freaking academy award because there were so many days where I was so miserable and yeah. so angry but like you have to just fake it yeah you know and you yeah. do that to a certain extent but if you can rely on people that you're in the room and maybe let them in on mm-hmm. some stuff mm-hmm. then you realize like you're in it together for a different authentic mm-hmm. reason yeah and they they see you as more than just a fitness instructor they yeah. see you as a real human being yeah i'm sure you resonate with this like so many people's like talking points with you are so surface you yeah, know and totally. for years and then you start to define yourself as just that surface level mm-hmm. stuff and I write I write a lot of things like in my notes on my phone just when I need to like yeah. word vomit I call yeah. it um and I remember one of the things I wrote and then I I like started like journaling kind of about it it was like you know it would be so nice if someone didn't come up to me and ask me like when my next run was or when because they they think that that's the only thing that lights you up right too. But it's not their fault. Right. It's so not their fault. Because that's what you've taught them. Completely. You're teaching them that you're a runner, so that's how they are resonating with you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the the message that I'm still trying to figure out myself Mm -hmm. is, you know, like talking to myself and asking myself things that like asking the right questions too, you know, like it's not about like that you're, you're not the size you were, or it's not about that you haven't run this and that. Um, like, you know, like, how did you feel today doing X, Y, Z or giving, giving to this or opening up to someone? Mm -hmm. Like after I left talking to you the other day, like I haven't talked to like a real friend like that since Casey. I know. Like, I don't, I don't, I just, I still don't do that. Like I'm honestly with like you and like Lillian, like not even my mom. Like I have, two and a half people yeah. that I do that with, you know, until I chatted with you about it. And that half is my dog. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the half of a person is my dog. He's the best listener. But I know that like, like just like some raw shit is yeah. being said in the world does not do harm no. <laughs> as much as we make it feel like it does. Right. Like for so long, you know, it's all about like that motivation, the inspiration being on and, Oh, but like, that's what society has been telling right. you. Right. Like at the end of the day, like, how are you really yeah. like that simple question that I was seeking for years, like never happened because we yeah. all just felt that because of that surface level stuff and how I portrayed myself, it was Right. Great. And you know, it's okay if you're unmotivated for a little while. It's okay to lose it and cry. It is, I mean, the past couple months, even though I've started this platform, 
um, this year has been a huge struggle for me yeah. and uh, breaking a couple fingers and having a surgery right. and having major complications and then, you know, losing a job. Like, it's been awful. Oh. It's been a shit year. Right. But I put everything in perspective mm-hmm. and nothing is as bad as it seems. Mm-hmm. It's just when everything is happening all, all at once. once. Yeah. And it's for me, it's not waiting until I've gotten through it to talk about it. It's talking about it while I'm no, going through it. Yeah. So you're the first person I think that we've had on that is really kind of still going through mm-hmm. it, like going yeah. through the thick of it. Yeah. Um, and I think you're going to find that it is going to be super helpful yeah. and super beneficial to yeah. just put it out there. Cause once it's out on this platform, you're like, well, there it is. Yeah. Nothing I can do about it now. And it's like, yeah. it's like, it's yeah. that like fret, that breath of air, Yeah, you know? Um, so I, I really appreciate you reaching out to me and, and talking about it a to me personally. And yeah. then because I didn't know, like, oh, yeah, yeah, let's grab coffee. And yeah. then I was like, hey, would you would you want to share your story? And yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So for me to be that other one person. Um, it's big. It's huge for me. And I really appreciate it because I felt, I you know, I kind of felt empty with, like, having someone. Yeah. You know, that honestly in a girl. Yeah. Like. Casey doesn't have a vagina. <laughs> TMI, Casey's Yeah, not, like, he doesn't get it. Right. Yeah. And he's the one that got me out of it almost, right. you know? And right. how, like right. how? And so I I feel the same way about the year. Like, you yeah. know, I feel, I, I can definitely bucket things into, there's a lot of shit, you know? And he's gone through some stuff too, but I think at the end of the day, like the more, um... I don't know, the more you can just like free this out there mm-hmm. and, and open it up to be a space for other people. But then like, honestly, me, like for, I just like it, it needs to be, it needs talked to happen. About, yeah. It needs to be talked about. And I think it's important to remember too, um, you know, he's a guy that, that loves you most in the mm-hmm. world. And I think it's really important to understand like he's hurting Mm. to see you hurt. And that also puts a lot of pressure on us Mm -hmm. because we don't want to cause anyone that we love pain. But, and I talked to Kinsey about this. I'm like, if someone loves you that much, like you're in it together and their pain is your pain and vice versa. And, and it's okay. Like I, for years didn't talk about it and didn't want my parents to know because I didn't want to know how bad it was. I didn't want to cause them any more pain than some of the stuff that they had gone through, not Mm -hmm. being able to have kids and all this other stuff. So, um, if we just are a little bit more open, Mm -hmm. even with the people that we love and we don't want to bother, you know what? It's going to do more good than harm. And it's encouraging to see someone very much going through it talk about it yeah um is there anything else you want to add i don't i don't think so um covered a lot so thankful <laughs> this is like feels so like the most genuine conversation i've had in years good that's like outside of my walls good honestly so and i think it's just like not to be cliche but like a beginning of like more space for people like me like yeah. you who aren't like us at all right to feel right because to be honest, I I think for, and especially like reaching out to you, like I think people, 
in our space are intimidated yeah. by others. And that is crazy. I know. Because I'm I crazy and I'm really soft and I'm really emotional and I'm really wrong and I'm really right and I'm really, you yeah. know? And that I think is like, I fell in that out with like the run club. Like I never got that when I was teaching fitness classes because I was like on this pedestal where others were down to me. Right. I'm like, I don't like that vibe. So like until you're like in the mess with them, yeah. like it's almost better. That's, that's really, not that you have to, I don't believe in bonding over like sadness or anything like that but it's more of just like a like how can you collaborate about being raw and having genuine feelings well, i think it's just that feeling and the whole reason that um fitness classes were created were for people to do things together together so i know you say like bonding over sadness yeah. but like honestly like yeah. that's not a horrible thing yeah that's true bonding over you know anything, anything. just reminds you that you're not alone you're not in this alone. world yeah. And that's like the biggest message yeah. is that you are never alone, even at your loneliest. Yeah. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Six Feet Above. I'm your host, Megan Armstrong. Subscribe so you never miss another episode as we release new interviews every Tuesday. And if you're enjoying the series, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Follow me on Instagram at six feet above podcast to keep the conversation going. This episode is a product of audiographies produced by Denor Sapolia, edited by Jacob Smullian, and the music was by Keenan Willis. I'll see you next time.